Hello and welcome back to Equity, the TechCrunch podcast where we unpack the numbers and the nuance behind the headlines. This is Alex. It is August 8th, 2022, and that means amazingly, we are actually almost halfway through Q3. I do not want to believe that time is passing that quickly, so let's stop talking about that and do some news. Starting off, as we always do, with a look at the global world of money. Over in Asia, stocks are mixed, if mostly up. Over in Europe, shares are higher, and stocks are set to rise this morning in the U.S. when markets open. And as a small note, oil has fallen more than I had noticed, down now in the high $80 per barrel, so that's good. Turning to the world of blockchain, major cryptos are making moves this morning. Bitcoin is up nearly 5% in the last 24 hours to around $24,000 per coin, and ETH is up even more, nearly 6% in the last day to nearly $1,800 per token. However, the ETH pump is not impacting NFT volumes thus far, at least as far as we can see it. Earnings this week, Coinbase is tomorrow. That's going to be a big one. I am super excited to see what they have in store for us. We're also going to hear from Unity and Roblox this week. So if you care about gaming, this is going to be a fun one. And actually, let's just go ahead and start there because there's already news afoot this morning from the earnings front. Yes, Christmas does come four times a year and it's called earnings season and we got a bunch of new numbers this morning, including a look at data from Palantir and SoftBank. Each company has a very interesting story to tell. Let's start with Palantir. Now, Palantir's Q2 was actually pretty good. The company reported revenue of $473 million, up 26% on a year-over-year basis, and positive free adjusted cash flow as well. However, Palantir also reported continued and extensive gap losses and huge share-based compensation expenses. Still, the company did beat adjusted profit and growth goals set by analysts. So why are shares of Palantir off 14% this morning after it dropped those numbers? Well, in one word, Guidance. The company is forecasting effectively zero sequential quarterly growth in Q3. Analysts are anticipating about, I don't know, 507 million in Q3 in revenue, according to Yahoo Finance data, not the 474 to 475 million that the company detailed in its earnings report. What's the lesson here? Well, it's that good quarters remain not enough to defend valuations. Guidance remains the key metric as the investors out there sort out the value of money losing, growth focused tech companies. And then there was SoftBank. Now, covering SoftBank is a lot of fun. The company does a number of things, making its quarterly earnings statements wild to read and frankly, always fun. There's always just more graphics and images and memes than you expect from a company of this size. But mostly we care about SoftBank in the context of its massive historical startup investments through its Vision Fund 1 and Vision Fund 2 vehicles. And oh boy, did those have a shit calendar Q2. SoftBank's net losses in the second quarter of 2022 calendar were $24.5 billion. Keep in mind that this is actually the first quarter of SoftBank's fiscal 2022. Don't ask me why. Now, the company blamed stock market turmoil and the yen losing value as issues in its earnings, which, fair. But Vision Funds lost $21.7 billion in the quarter, and I don't think you can point the finger anywhere else but at oneself if you lose that much money in a three-month period. Indeed, those losses effectively wiped out all the gains from the the Vision Fund experiment that remained, which at one point was actually up more than 7 trillion yen or about $50 billion. So what companies are causing the pain? Well, SoftBank cited Coupon, SenseTime, DoorDash, KE Holdings, AutoStore, and WeWork as some of the main culprits for its losses in the period. More to come on this, but the folks who rode the boom up are also writing the boom down something something business gravity. To summarize, even recent-ish IPOs that are beating expectations are taking blows, 
and the folks who thought they cracked venture-style investing at scale are in turn being crushed by believing that they had cracked venture-style investing at scale. Turning to startups, we're actually still with SoftBank. And why is that? Because its leader, Masayoshi Son, has some bad news about startup valuations. Per our own Manish Singh, the 64-year-old executive whose vision funds have backed over 470 startups globally in the past six years, said on Monday that some unicorn founders are unwilling to accept lower valuations in fresh funding deliberations, an assertion that has led him to believe that the, quote, winter may be longer for unlisted companies. He went on to say that unicorn companies' leaders still believe in their valuations, and they wouldn't accept that they may have to see their valuations go lower than they think, he said, according to the company's official trade. Translator and Son actually set up a test for when it might make sense to get back into the market aggressively, saying, quote, so until the multiple of listed companies is lower than those of unlisted companies, we should wait. What does this tell us? Well, that the unicorn question remains unresolved. It goes something like this. Last year, many startups raised nine-figure rounds at valuations north of a billion dollars. Since then, valuations have come down sharply for tech companies. At the same time, exit volume has dried up as the IPO market froze, and M&A failed to make up for the deceleration in public offerings. So, do global unicorns raise more capital at a lower price, perhaps falling under the arbitrary $1 billion threshold? We don't know. There are other places to get capital, but those do come with different strings. And in other startup-related news, there's been yet another big private equity deal. Recall that we saw Chartbeat sold recently to private equity, but this time it's Vista Equity Partners buying automated tax compliance software provider Avalara. It's an all-cash deal worth about $8.4 billion. Now, Avalara raised about $341 million in its IPO back in 2018, but like many companies in recent times, has undergone something of a correction, with its market cap falling over the past year by about 60% to roughly $6 billion last month. However, since then, it bounced up to about $8 billion. Why? Well, rumors of the very deal we're talking about today. So while it does seem that startups are staring down the barrel of no IPOs and maybe less big tech M&A, I guess they can always sell the private equity. Yay. And a couple of quick hits to see you out this morning. Things that I care about, things that bring me joy. And the first one is from Baidu. Now, Chinese internet giant Baidu has secured permits to offer a fully driverless commercial robo-taxi service with no human present, TechCrunch reports, in Chongqing and Wuhan. The service will come via the company's autonomous ride-hailing unit called Apollo Go. Now, Baidu claims that when it launches in those two cities, it'll be the first time an autonomous vehicle company is able to offer a fully driverless ride hailing service in China. Now, TechCrunch does note that in the U.S., Cruise has been offering a similar service in San Francisco, and Waymo has had one in Arizona since 2020. All I can say is this. Finally, thank God this is taking off. We now have three examples of major tech companies working on self-driving tech who have built an autonomous taxi service somewhere in the world that is live. Good. Now, how about Providence? Anyways, moving on. Lyft forms Lyft Media. What the hell is that? Well, think signs on top of cars and signs inside of cars. You know, like, uh, what do you call them? Taxis. There you go. Uber has been working on ads for the past couple of years, and Lyft needs another act past ride-hailing to support growth and profitability, if we're being frank. And everyone's doing ads. Instacart is big enough now to have its own ads business, and each of the major technology companies do as well. Once huge, then ads is the real maturity curve for tech companies, it appears. And 
And Bloomberg reports finally that, quote, India seeks to restrict Chinese smartphone makers from selling devices cheaper than 12,000 rupees, or about $150, to kickstart its faltering domestic industry, dealing a blow to brands including Xiaomi Corp., end quote. The India-China tech argument is looking more and more like a slow-mo decoupling, and given the economic power between the two countries, their geographic location, and more, it's a really big freaking deal. Pay attention. And that is our show. Don't forget, you can follow Equity on Twitter, where we tweet under the handle EquityPod. You can follow myself on Twitter, where I tweet under the handle Alex. And Equity is not live this week. Instead, we will just be out in your audio systems on Wednesday and Friday. And then next week, I am off. So don't call, don't text, leave me be. I am asleep. I'll be back the week after. All right, bye.